Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Huarca with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson and community organizer and socialist Kenny Cepeda. We are online at what-s-left.webnode.com. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Uh, thank you. Um, well, uh, let's see. Today we'll be having a discussion on... Um, the much covered by mainstream, even um, not so mainstream news, uh, uh, discussions on the climate summit or the COP26 in Glasgow in, in Scotland. Uh, it's the climate summit that, uh, or as many people are calling it, um, the fossil fuel summit uh, of <laughs> some people are here, uh, um, that's happening. And this is something that we've covered in the past here on What's Left. Uh, so I expect we'll have a lively discussion, but different from what's left. And I also think that so many changes have happened. I'll speak for myself and my evolutionary political development that I, that I think I have different views since we've last covered um, the climate summit. And uh, in light of COVID uh, lockdowns and uh, emergency powers and uh, passports, surveillance, uh, censorship. I think there will be a whole different realm of discussion on this that we will look at this from. So I invite people to stick with us to the end because this is definitely going to be a different way of seeing maybe the, the, the prospects of a new uh, era of lockdowns and, and environmentalism. So here's, here's what I remember our discussion being like last time when it was COP25. Both you and I were skeptical of the forces that were involved in, and, and the notion of carbon swapping as a, as a method for dealing with this. Um, so we both shared, we shared that perspective if I remember right. One area that I started to question as I looked more deeply is I actually started to question even at, at that time, whether global warming was actually the actual threat that, we, that it was being claimed it was. I don't dispute, and I didn't dispute at the time, um, that there is there's environmental damage being done by the cap by capitalism, but I'm not sure global warming is the thing that actually is the problem. Um, I think the question of deforestation, of, of bio, lack of biodiversity, monocultures, soil erosion, pollution of waters and pollution of air, uh, poisoning of it, um, those things, um, and then now you can add like. CRISPR mosquitoes being released, you know, into the, into the environment, those sorts of things to me, or war in terms of like depleted uranium and things like that and, and irradiating um, the, the land, those sorts of things. I go, oh yeah, that, that's the kind of crap that I think is really a problem. I increasingly started to come to think of, that this global warming thing was a dodge and that it was an easy scapegoat. It was an easy way for the capitalists to say, here's how we're dealing with it. Um, and then I think you took issue with that because I, that is definitely like, you can't really say that on the left. You know, you can't question that on the left. Um, the question with what? Took issue with what? The idea that global warming might not be, that man-made global warming might not be actually a thing that we need to, a big thing we have to be worried about, which is really that's that framework around all the, 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 the environmental movement and the capitalist class have all kind of centered around that for the discussions at COP25 and COP, now COP26 and in previous COPs. Um, so, which I think is for Copenhagen. 
and that's where our debate was and where where you were like wait do you what are you talking about Andy you know um, if I remember right so I still think that I still think there's a lot of human mad men me I understand I'm just I'm just saying that's what I remember I'm just trying to characterize where we were last time so so mm-hmm. I, I was also part of the last cop uh, conversation mm-hmm. uh, I actually a lot of I had some disagreements I think because we I think we did talk about Greta Thunberg you know and like her creation and you know her high profile at the time this one was different you know yeah. she was actually excluded uh, and um, and so you know we also talked about issues of you know local measures small measures versus you know like the revolution or like you know taking it to the, the capitalist forces um, and um, but I, I think I if I understand correctly, uh, Lipson, what, what you're saying is that this fixation on clim- climate warming alone deviates from all the other destruction that is happening at the same time. Is that right? Or Yes. And this one over here that they're being focusing on, with this, which is put in terms of global temperature changes, I think is, is actually a non-issue compared to that other issue. Not that it's just a distraction, but actually it's a much less important issue as it relates to dealing with the, the actual damage which is occurring to the environment, then the, the way it's actually raised as the most important issue and everything else kind of is subordinate to it. You're talking about specifically the carbon. Um, yeah, but car- man, human produced carbon dioxide being the basis for an overall see. increase in temp- temperature warming. And that this question of those targets as being the fundamental way we're gonna deal with environmental destruction I'm not even putting it on the same level with those other ones. I'm putting it like either not an issue or a very small issue and compared to the other ones that I just mentioned. Yeah. yeah. And, and oh, I'm sorry. And I was a little more unsure back then, <laughs> I'll be honest. And now I feel more convinced of it. <laughs> oh, I see. You. <laughs> well, yeah. Can you? Yeah. I think that, you know, if I've learned anything through like this whole, um, uh, experience with the COVID, you know, we, um, I've learned to question even more, like the narratives that the left itself pushes as gospel, uh, you know, on question, uh, because uh, as Russiagate, as, you know, COVID has demonstrated to me, uh, it, it has demonstrated that, that, that the, we uh, as a movement, if there is one on the left, which I even question, um, we tend to actually regurgitate and reproduce the dictations and the information and the narratives that are constructed for us. There is a, a very little, you know, um, critical thinking outside the dominant, you know, you know, climate change is happening. It's true. Those ignorant brutes, you know, like on the right wing that are denying this, uh, you know, they're not living like us. And so I, I see, you know, I started to see things similarly to you, Libson, and question, because I remember you, you posing that, you know, challenge and, and I remember thinking about it and about how is this a lie you know how could it be so, or this but I think the biggest lies have partial truth in it you know they, they manipulate uh, you know uh, partial and deviate and like you're saying Lipson is they uh, they uh, exaggerate certain things to mask the, you know the rest just like we talked about COVID and the biggest transfer of wealth in the history of some if humanity happening uh, in the background, right, of COVID, and, and that being more destructive, you know, for people's lives 
in this post pandemic. And so it, it has raised questions that experience with regards to this narrative that is being pushed by people flying in private jets to you know, a climate summit. Um, and that you know, there is also, as we've talked in, in a previous show, uh, we discussed the planet of the humans, this um, pseudo or this science, scientism, there's like not a lot of like hard science or actual critical thinking in a scientific approach to question these supposed green technologies. Right, like uh, that that are supposed to save us, and so again, I'm just questioning a lot of like the approach on the supposed left in terms of accepting the science that is given to us as, you know, not only the science but the narrative, uh, and so I do challenge that, you know, because yes, of course, you can make an argument that these things are connected, right? Global warming, and it's they're making it seem like it's the overarching thing. But there are people dying for little water rights, you know, access to water and, you know, and fighting pollution, um, you know, that immediately affect people's lives. You know, it's still the case that, you know, under the guise of the war on drugs, they're pouring, you know, tons of uh, Roundup, essentially, a Roundup in, in, you know, in, in Colombia, in Guatemala, in Peru, you know, in, in contaminating water sources. And so, you know, there are many other fights happening and I, I see where you're saying it deviates and from the fact that it is ultimately capitalist forces and the narrative that we're sold is these, you know, market solutions, right? Like trading, um, trading uh, the right to pollute uh, as being, you know, the, 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 what they, they're offering, you know, as a response. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I want to start, well, I, I don't know in what direction we're taking this, but I want to be clear, right, where we agree, um, where, we, where we may have some disagreements. And, and as I said in the last, I remember now in the last episode when we had discussed this, that I, if if the jury is still out on this, well, not on the consensus of the, uh, consensus of the scientists, but as far as climate change regarding the carbon dioxide, well, that's something to be discussed. But I think even then we had agreed at least on um, some, uh, we agreed on common ground, and, and that is that there is a degradation of our environments, no? that there, that, there at a, that has gone up at an alarming rate. So I don't, I want to be clear that we agreeing that there are very brutal environmental concerns that we definitely know, right? Such as air pollution or water contamination, as Kenny had pointed out, soil and land pollution. Uh, you know, uh, there's obviously a change in weather patterns, uh, deforestation and logging, environmental impact by the agriculture industry, right? Because that's a huge one. I remember reading somewhere because of massive pesticides and 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 um, pesticides and herbicides being uh, de- uh being runoffs onto our water and even animal agriculture you know food being in into i remember in mexico there was a big thing about um uh lots of animals uh, polluting the the rivers of mexico because of so much of a uh, uh factory farming and in um and so I, there's genetic modification going on right uh gmos uh, which now everyone on the left i remember being a part of the occupied gmo movement and now a lot of my friends who are not I don't know everyone in the GMO movement, but I'll just say the people on my Facebook who were part of the GMO movement are now accepting these 
uh, <laughs> GMOs uh, from inoculations and are willing to get jabbed hundreds of times and jumping in the needle loving bandwagon. And uh, there's obviously a, an effect on marine life and uh, over, well, this is where we disagreed on another episode, but overpopulation, I think, is something that's happening. Uh, and uh, not that I think that we should just target people of color and think that they're the ones that uh, it, um, at the issue with. But there's a lot of diversity. No, is that something we can out with those two that I mentioned on carbon and overpopulation? But the rest that I just mentioned, do we agree on those? I think I, I think so. Yeah. Kenny. Yeah, and again, I think maybe this is something that was clarified. Just that we don't disagree that there's things happening. It's but just that the sorry. I think we largely agree on that. Although I'll be honest, um, weather is. Is, is historically described as a chaotic phenomenon. So for me, weather patterns changing, I don't know about that one. That, that one, I, I'm not sure I would click on the, oh my gosh, weather patterns are changing. Something must be done. That that one I got a question mark about. Mm. I, All right, well, and Kenny? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, important to talk about to me because like I do, I do think there is something that changed. I don't know, again, if I would, like the majority of the left say, like, you know, for a fact, this is what's causing that. I think it's happening. It's putting pressure on uh, populations to migrate, you know, in, in, in tandem with like the um, economic destruction, you know, uh, that happens. And um, so I do think um, there is something because, you know, my family has lived in the same spot for 50 years you know, has been flooded twice in Guatemala. And uh, it, it, you can't just blame the weather, right? Because, the, you know, there is like a tomato, heirloom tomatoes that are exported to the U.S. that have been uh, the, 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 what do you call the farms? Heirloom tomato farms were built in places they shouldn't be built. So, you know, so it is difficult, but it is still capitalism, right? Like jumping in there and in affecting people's lives. So, I, I think it's a combination of everything, but um, it's still capitalism to me, you know, like forcing people in so many, pressuring people in so many levels. And where I do agree with you is like that I don't know, like whether the climate, right, is the only source, uh, the major source. And the one thing that we should focus on is like, unless you go for the whole thing, you know, that we're just trying to plug holes with, you know, two fingers. So, let me just gather my thoughts. So here's how I make the connection come from COP26 to what's happening, if that's okay, just my thoughts on so. Yeah. So this Greta Thunberg, who has also changed, she recently released three weeks ago some video, and she said that she has long uh, let go of trusting politicians and... It gets a bit repetitive after a while. Politicians are pretty much the same, no matter where you are in the world. She's, she, it was an opinion that she gave out and she has given up on politicians and she's been saying a lot of curse words recently. I don't know if it's because she's older or what. No more blah, blah, blah. No more whatever the fuck they're doing inside there. But she said she's tired of having had people take selfies with her. And she's also given voices to other people who have probably been left in the dark. Like, uh, I think there's an environmentalist leader. I forget, um, I forget her name in a second. We see business leaders and investors flying into COP on private jets. We see them making fancy speeches. 
we hear about new pledges and promises, but we are drowning in promises. Uh, and um, Latino uh, um, environmentalist leaders, uh, there was one uh, Mexican environmentalist that she gave platform to another African. She said she's tired of being in the face, but she also said, take your climate crisis up your arse. You can shove your climate crisis up your arse. You can shove your climate crisis up your arse. You can shove your climate crisis. You can shove your climate crisis. You can shove your climate crisis up your arse. And so she's changing a bit in her rhetoric about um, in her way of thinking. I'm not sure what her plan is, but she's not taking pictures these days anymore with um, politicians anymore. So that's something that I know has changed with her. Uh, well, I mentioned her because she said, alongside with other climate activists, they've said that nothing has really come out of COP26. So I agree. I couldn't agree more from with that. Uh, the people who were attending COP26 were people who were mostly lobbyists, and mostly people who had very big financial ties. And then there were, it was big people, it was also people who were vaccinated, people who were from unvaccinated countries, people who were from, who, people who didn't want to get vaccinated, even such people like Bolsonaro, for example, who is not necessarily aligned with my politics, but who doesn't want to get vaccinated. And I agree with that part only with him, that he should be allowed to enter you. Anybody should be allowed to enter if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, which was, First of all, that was a division at its core because not everyone's going to have the same politics as Bolsonaro, but there are going to be activists like ourselves that say, you know what, I'm not in agreement. So if I want to attend, I have to be vaccinated. That immediately is an apartheid. That is immediately an, an exclu exclusion. No, and uh, and so that out the outcome from the document released on Tuesday is, um, uh, I mean, um, not Tuesday. Well, the outcome of the COP26 has definitely been a failure, even when you have all these. Uh, uh, lobbyists and, and politicians and leaders. What I agree with Kenny and what I see is that there is now, like, um, I don't want to be conspiratorial, but here's what I want to share, um, if I can. So this is what I'm concerned mm. now. Um, this is the first that I know of that is talking about considering lockdown. This is a Washington Post. This is mainstream. This is Delhi considering new lockdown, this time for pollution, not COVID. And uh, this isn't, you know, a conspiracy. This is now beginning to be a reality about what is the newfound powers of politicians and the, and the uh, people in power that are going to start making any excuse to have emergency powers that I'm concerned about. Mm -hmm. And all those people that show up at COP26 are not there to try to make change. They're seeing this as an opportunity. How could we now see this as leaders that are attending this to be able to, uh, this is a good article, not, no, it has some issues with it, but I invite you, I'll link it in the episode notes. But what are we going to, what are they going to see as COP26 for um, a way to, uh, declare emergency powers to be able to create more of what we did last year not to stop the economy but not to stop the economy for um our under the guise of our safety but rather as a way to uh do more of what we've been talking about right which is surveillance and passports and all the things all the ways to control us as people and i'm concerned about that and i wouldn't have been before, because I was uh, more of thinking that, you know, humans do cause a lot of 
environmental destruction and we need to pause human activity. But I'm not willing to have our lives be used in a way under the guise of public safety to be used as a way to further control us as the state gets further and further grasp on power under this guise of trying to protect us and trying to have us um, be, um, um, you know, it's like that film iRobot, you know, the, the robots that were, that were controlling everybody because it was to protect the humans. Uh, and I don't want that. I, and, and not because I, it's, it's, I'm, capriccio i'm being capricious i think that's the translation but because it's 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 uh it's going to further create this more fascist state that we are entering into that we are suddenly getting conditioned into because of fear and that's what's really what's going to happen and it's going to be difficult to convince people because i think people are slowly going to see it as another way to uh to say that, well, we have this crisis looming upon us and we only have eight years because that was a IPCC report that we talked about that had 10 years and now we're at eight years, I think. I forget when we did that, Andy. Yeah. So we're going to have to do some mitigation. We're going to have to do something drastic in order for us to stop this crisis. I can see a lot of my liberal friends saying, yes, I'm for this. I, I see that. A lot of my even progressive friends saying this. And any of us resisting is going to be more of you're just being difficult. You're just being a conspiracist. You're just being wacky. You're being fringy. You're being ultra left again. And you're and and they're going to dismiss it. And even this information is going to get tighter and tighter. Now, especially with the Facebook, what's her name? Her 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 fake uh Facebook Facebook whistleblower herself coming out trying to say that you know Facebook should be instead controlled by the state and should be uh reined up. And so I, I don't know what that will look like in the future. And even just saying what we used to say, I think even two years ago, that to say that the election was was stolen, even that is now disinformation. Even if you are leftist and saying that, um, like uh, the, the what was the, the the governor's race in Georgia that happened with Stacey Abrams. Now, if you say, uh, even by the left, if you say the election was stolen, now it is considered disinformation. So we're cracked down on the sensor tech is going to st- crack down on us and our voices. And dis- dissident, dissident is the word dissident. Dissident is going to get, uh, you know, dissident is going to be more and more policed. So that's that's my new um, way of seeing this, and I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean. I think um, that was one of the things that during the lockdown, that was one of the things lauded is, oh, carbon emissions are down, things like that. That was one of the, and I agree with you, Eduardo, the very same forces, the very same state forces, corporate forces, because I'm going to, I'm going to talk about public private partnerships, which are a big part of what was accomplished in COP26. COP26 COP was not a failure. It was actually a giant accomplishment for the capitalist class, I believe. Um, it could be considered, people are talking about it a failure in terms of carbon emissions. Um, so whether you think it gets the hit targets or not, um, you, the game of bringing carbon emissions down and getting people to all buy in on that game is a giant 
ideological success for them because they're going to be able to use that to financialize the entire the environment um, and 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 turn the environment into uh, into assets that can be traded on the market. Um, and so that 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 accomplishment was done at COP26, or rather it was furthered, um, because I actually think it, there were some events that took place prior to COP26 that I want to talk about that laid the basis for the Glasgow Financial Net Zero Initiative um, being the, um, uh, let me make sure I got that name right, the Glasgow, yeah, the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero. Um, uh, that, that, Alliance, which came out of COP26, um, is really set to really be the new engine for turning natural resources into mar pieces markets to be traded, and to allow big banks and BlackRock and uh, big 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 business essentially to use these things like the World Bank and the IMF and what they call multilateral development banks. Um, into pressuring developing countries uh, on how essentially a new version of how they're going to turn those countries into not just debtor nations, but nations that must be completely subservient to uh, Wall Street uh, Wall Street initiatives and Wall Street having turned all the natural environment into something that's an asset that can be traded on the market. And that that was that that has that was accomplished through COP26, like progress on that, going from what they, as they said, going from concept of it to be the beginning of the engagement of that plan, that was an accomplishment. Now they're, and they're going to call that, and, 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 and that, that is something that I want, that I think is worth talking about. Just find it so, how efficient they're at framing things, right? A net zero initiative, um, which is really not like even the goal to reach net zero, uh, which is, it's just about trading pollution, in my understanding. Um, it, it, trading the right to, you know, mess with nature, basically. That's my understanding of that. It's not, and, and it's out of the hands again of any sort of democratic process. Uh, it's just uh, these world leaders, and like you mentioned, Eduardo, uh, I read that um, I think uh, it was about 500 lobbyists from, you know, like the the fossil fuels and all these that supposedly are the evil ones in the picture, right? They were um, uh, they they were the biggest delegation there, basically. Essentially, they were bigger than any delegation of any other country. There were f about five hundred lobbyists. Um, so, uh, you know, again, financiers, oil, and all this money that uh, you know we're gonna have to fight if we really wanna. Um, make things better for us or have a choice or, you know, in our communities, uh, you know, to stand up against the adaptation of whatever it is to come, whether it's man-made or not, <laughs> you know, I, I think there are patterns that are changing. Um, and, and so for whatever it is, we're going to have to, our communities are going to have to fight against these forces and it's not, the change is not going to come from them up there, obviously. Um, but I think that, Again, the educated class falls behind all this uh, theater and circus of um, enacting changes and commitments um, that are really non-binding. And, and, and in fact, actually, I think they're uh, uh, imperial tools, uh, you know, of advancing the pillage of, of, of nature and the world and, you know, everything nature, 
you know, including us, right? Like, because we've talked about how data mining, um, genetic information, all this, uh, it's, it's bundled into this, you know, because we are life and we're being commodified as we speak along with nature in, our, in the name of our safety, our collective public health and safety. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen and start with this. Um, this is a graph by the, or a, a figure actually created by the World Bank looks in 2014. And what they talked about is they talked about the traditional economy here in goods and services, which they estimated goods and services total in the globe is worth or has is worth $90 trillion, but has an asset value of $512 trillion, like that where it has potential trade traded on the market, you know, for all the goods that can be produced year after year after year. But then they talked about what about nature's economy? Well, they described nature, um, trees, lakes, land, air, you know, oceans as a good in services worth about $125 trillion but whose total asset value was $4,000 trillion or $4 quadrillion. And the question that is raised by this is, well, how do, they, how do you turn this natural, natu- the nature's economy into something that can be brought through the global economy and into the, into the market? And um, this actually, progress was actually made on this um, a few months earlier uh, in, in Wall Street, um, where... And this is from work or things that I've read from Whitney Webb. Um, let me see if I can find. Um, but in, I think it was September, uh, essentially the, a, a new class of investment called a natural asset company was created. Um, and, they, they, and it was done on Wall Street. This was Michael uh, Blongard was talking about a natural asset company as a pioneering new asset class based on nat- natural assets and the mechanisms to convert them to financial capital. So how do you turn nature into capital? Um, and he, this is a quote from him. He goes, our hope is that owning a natural asset company is going to be a way that an increasing broad range of investors have the ability to invest in something that's intrinsically valuable. That is that, and what they mentioned is like life on earth, possible and enjoyable. They include biological systems that provide clean air, water, food, medicine, sustainable climate, human health, and societal potential, right? Those are the things you're investing in. Um, how do you turn something that's intrinsically valuable, but up to a point uh, has been really excluded from financial markets? So they're saying, how do we get these intrinsically valuable things included on the on the financial markets? And they lay out three steps for, for forming natural asset companies. And the first is to begin with the identification of the natural assets, such as like a forest or a lake, which is then quantified with some number by a series of protocols they lay out. Then the natural asset company is created and the structure of the company decides who has the rights to, the, to that natural assets productivity, as well as to the rights to decide how that natural asset is managed and governed. Now, again, you can imagine now that these natural asset, the natural asset company is essentially deciding how these nature's assets are going to be used. And we're going to talk about who's, who's behind these. And then lastly, a natural asset company is converted into financial capital by launching an initial public offering on a stock exchange, like the New York Stock Exchange. Um, and the, that last stage generates capital to manage the natural asset. Um, and the fluctuation of its price on the stock exchange signals the value of its natural capital. Um, and who is on the natural uh, on these natural asset companies? institutional investors, private investors, individuals, institutions, corporations, 
uh, sovereign wealth funds like Rockefeller and things like that, and what they describe as multilateral development banks, World Bank, IMF, and the IOAC or something like that. There's another one there. Um, so this, this to me laid the foundation for what was occurred, how COP26 can take that further forward. If you have a whole new class of assets that are now being financialized, COP26 is going to use net zero goals as a means of determining whether that asset is accruing in your favor or or, or losing favor. Um, and so to me, that's one of the things that net the net zero goal is, is it, it, is it essentially describes the, the financial game that's going to be played in order to um, to justify the financialization of these things and to say how something's going to go up or down in the market. And I think, uh, you know, for much, like what you're saying, it, it reminds me also what we talked with Allison about breaking things down into small pieces, right? To be able to trade it and exchange it and bundle it because we talked to Robert, right? Uh, uh, Doyle, right? about like how the housing market situation happened, right? When they were bundled these assets and broken down into pieces, houses, and then sold them off in packages for investors. Um, uh, uh, someone, I don't remember the exact number, but someone told me that basically like all the stocks, the majority of the stocks are not owned by normal people. They're not, you know, like regular working class people. The majority are owned by the hedge funds, the billionaires, the truly, you know, wealthy of, of this world. Um, and so also California started trading uh, water futures. Uh, I think it was uh, in uh, last year. Uh, so I think this is already happening, you know. So in order to save a, a potential water crisis, they, they, they're using the market as a solution for uh, I guess it's uh, the logic of supply and demand, you know, in that the market will protect things uh, somehow. Um, when in reality, it's like we know it's, it's about creating wealth, and you know, for certain people, and and we know what happens when markets, you know, come into our lives. Just like healthcare, right? In these countries, is is one atrocious what happens here with the healthcare. So again, it's just I'm, I'm just trying to say that again. It's already happening, I think. In you know, in California, we're supposed to be tree huggers, right? But water features are being traded, you know. So who's who? Who has the right, like you said, Lipson? Who decides who has the right to access these assets, you know? And, and, and as we were uh, again, my understanding of capitalism is that you know the uh, the state exists to protect the interests of the ruling class, and the ruling class is not. The people it's not the masses of people the ruling class it's it's again the billionaires the uh the asset funds you know all these uh corporations that actually do vote you know they do have a say do have a voice versus us you know uh, that you know that's why you know in the past we disagreed Eduardo, over like local measures that you know they, they're just like a tiny band-aid and not even that you know uh at least in my view and, um, but yeah, it, it's the com commodification. I was thinking, how is this different? You know, how is this different than what has already happened? You know, we sell land, right? And, and land has access to, access to water. But I think like what I'm seeing is just a, a more minute exploitation for, you know, more riches of um, more efficient, I guess, at exploiting and creating this artificial wealth, really, in my view.
yeah, it's difficult to to sit with for me that you know local measures for you were saying about that when I said that that I I do think that some funding for some things as why well, I don't want to get too much into but um, environmental causes can uh, sort of hold back and 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 just keep some things afloat. Um, but I but I have doubts to the intentions of a lot of local measures that could um, ask us to do things in the name of, right, like we just already said, uh, for public safety, for, for the environment. But the question I guess I, I still am trying to figure out is how much, or what do we, I think we explored this, Andy, in the Green New Deal, that it's just, there, there is no, real climate change under a capitalist system, even with what you shared with us, um, because of, you know, because of the very nature of capitalism, which is to exploit, to, to advance, to compete, to use up resources. And it's difficult for me to see how there just won't be any real changes unless the entire system will be overthrown. So I will invite people to look at that too. And on the episode notes for on the Green New Deal, because a lot of it is being touted, tooted, tooted by the by the Democrats and even progressive left. AOC and such that this is a necessity for us to move forward is to create policies to be able to mitigate what is happening um, locally and, um, and at the federal level for us to try to hold back um, climate change. But it, I just think it's important to understand the intention of these, of these mechanisms are to not do any, has nothing to do with, I wouldn't, I only, I'll even say this, it's not really to do with destroying the environment or protecting it. It's about financializing the asset and putting it onto the market so people can make money off of it. And the people who have money can make more money. That's the whole reason for it. So now they're going to say, well, we can turn money making into protecting that thing. But it's but that's not going to be the case. What it means is the, the people with the money will have control of the asset. They will decide how it gets utilized. And they will just the decision on how it will be utilized will be based on how money can be made off of it. That's it. That's what the, that's what the market means. It's that's what it means for something to be on the market is you don't do anything with it in that market unless it makes you money, unless it brings back a return on the investment. And and even capitalists will say they're subject to that. Like they can't get around that game. That's the game. So the decision to put all these things and to agree that these things should all be financialized is the decision to take completely out of human hands our decisions around what we're going to do with our own environment we live in. We're putting it under the we're into the, into the, uh, you know, the, the, the grit, the grist mill or the, the mill of profit making and, and, and into the hands, let's be clear into the hands of people like John Kerry and Janet Yellen and all these BlackRock and, and Citibank and Bank of America. And from what I understand the Glasgow financial Alliance, um, for net zero, represents a, cons a consortium of over 43% of all banking interests that are held in the, in the globe. And these are the people behind it. 
Does that sound like a group of people who are going to be interested in protecting the environment? No, they're interested in doing what they just did about a year ago, which is how do they how do they overcome the fall in the rate of profits to destroy the middle class, to push workers down deeper in order to recover profitability? That's their only game. And that's what and and so now, like Eduardo, you you revealed in that that New Delhi um, uh, headline. Now they found another reason to tell people we're going to monitor you even more closely for your carbon footprint, and we're going to like modern. We're going to moderate. We're going to moderate cities individual by individual. We're going to collect data on all you. What kind of food do you eat? What kind of shit comes out of you and into the into the toilet? We're going to collect it all because we're going to use this as a way of, of, of putting a number to a carbon footprint. We're going to reward you in some ways for putting less of a carbon footprint and individually, and we're going to punish you if you make more of one. But ultimately, it's going to be about control, control of the financial interests and control of the state interests in determining and saying, hey, we, we have to do this because we're, we're net zero now. We're all trying to get to net zero, and this is what we got to do. But really, net zero, think of it as just a money-making scheme. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think this is, again, what you just described is, is that technocratic mm-hmm. world that I'm afraid of, you know, that this, the supposed objective uh, educated class, you know, can make decisions for communities and people as to how to, you know, uh, live a good life and profit in the way, right? And and so, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to be tracked, you know, I don't want to be blamed for the lifestyles that they've created for us, you know, the, the option is really like, we, we have this illusion of option, but I mean, like, do you really want to commute two hours to work? I mean, that's market forces, forcing, for, for, you know, forcing us to make a lot of these choices, you know? And so again, I think I do see this whole, um, how they will commodify our guilt, our individual guilt that they, you know, in this narrative, that is our individual fault for not buying, you know, a paper straw or a reusable bag, you know, or for, you know, eating too much of these, not enough of that, you know, and, and, and the people behind it are all these bankers and people like Bill Gates, who have, who's now the biggest owner of farmland in the U.S., you know, and it's also invested in um, uh, meat substitutes uh, and vaccines and technology and tracking and, you know, my guess is that he's going to be a very wealthy man, you know, with all these steps um, that are happening in surveilling us and breaking us down, us and nature in general, to commodify us and and decipher us. You know, I think that's that's the, the big one, uh, you know, rather than us as a community deciding what we do locally and, you know, what's best for us. Uh, we're going to have some technocrats, some doctor, you know, some Dr. Fauci telling us about the weather. And, and what we need to do when we need to, you know, shelter and, and how we go about it. I wanted to ask you both, um, because you said that, Kenny, you don't see any value in individual as well. Any, both of you don't see any value as well as some, some of our part and our responsibility in trying to also not contribute. Obviously, the biggest force is uh, what's happening at uh, that's one thing I struggle sometimes yeah. in these conversations, and I know we've discussed some of it together, Andy. Um, but I, I so, uh, but I do feel sometimes we don't see there is two parts to it. I think that there is the institutional level, right, the system, and then there's also the in, some of our own contribution that we can. Mm-hmm. But I don't maybe to be 
a lot of emotional or a mind labor to be able to focus on uh, more of a, the institutional level of how climate change is being shaped and being just, uh, the crisis is being attributed by uh, world leaders. But I don't know. I, I haven't felt very strongly in these discussions on what's left to be able to state that I, because of, I've, I've maybe I'm, it's not been discussed with you both. The way that these multinational, these giant institutions are going to continue to get away with grand theft larceny, not just of workers and, and exploit, exploiting workers, but now it looks like they're going to now exploit the systems of the environment, not just like they're, they're talking about ecosystems and, and, and financializing those and turning those things into numbers and data. So what does that mean? That means it's not just a question of, hey, Eduardo, do you, do you recycle? What that means is on your digital ID must be information about how much you recycled that week, must be information about what you ate that week, must be information like how much meat, how much vegetables, how much this, must be information of how many fossil, how much fossil fuels you used in your transport and how you transported around. They will do that because they're going to try to show you as an individual, here is your carbon footprint. We have the number. We have to be fair here now, right? They're not going to just say, hey, we kind of think you're not recycling enough. They're going to say, we have a number for you. And that's going to be connected to blockchain. It's going to be connected to digital ID. And it's going to be connected to quantifying everything we do and the social credit system that's going to be the basis for that. So if if we fall, if you, what I'm, so what I'm trying to say is, yes, individuals matter. What we need to do is, is to get together as a collective. Individuals have to get together as a collective and take these people down. That is the actions we must take now in order to solve this problem. But if we think we're going to solve this problem by lowering our footprint individually, then we are literally falling into the digital trap that they're going to lay for us here, if, you, if that makes any sense. Because they're going to use that logic literally to justify complete control and complete monitoring of everything we do, not just in the name of COVID now and contact tracing, but now in the name of net zero and, and, and getting the temperature down because we're lowering our carbon footprint. And we're using and we're, and we're using individuals within cities and within anywhere they are as a kind of a conglomerate. But but that's going to that that we have to get a number for it, and they're going to be fair about it because they're gonna they're gonna have a whole process for how this shit can be calculated. And so everyone's going to have to be strung up next to one of those things. You know, again, yeah, that's the argument right there. Like what just Lipson made. That's I think what's at stake. That's how these things that are happening with COVID are connected to this. And, you know, I do, Eduardo, your question about individual, obviously we do, you know, individuals have to, uh, you know, do their own work and, and bring, come into, you know, the collective. Individually, we're not going to solve this. It's, it's not, you know, that's, that's, that's how they win. You know, they separate us, atomize us, you know, they uh, disassociate humans uh, in, you know, in finding commonality. And, you know, I think back to, uh, you know, you, I think probably you in Mexico, I don't know, like how your community, I think back to where I was growing up, you know, um, obviously there were difficulties, but the sense of community was greater, you know, and, and I see in Guatemala, how is uh, with the U.S. influence and capitalist influence, 
has deteriorated the sense of community, you know, to atomize people and exploit people more, you know, on an individual basis, it creates these lifestyles, right? Like that we can't respond to. So, you know, you know, I'm not saying that uh, I don't, people will have to come to it somehow, you know, but first of all, it does start with individual, you know, I, ch I choose to speak my truth to really analyze the shit that they're selling me and, and, and you know, and hopefully maybe people agree. That's, that's how I as an individual act, but I know it's not going to happen just by myself. Hopefully other people can find validity to my argument. What I do know is that the shit that we're doing now is not working. You know, we're still subject to begging. You know, we're still begging these uh, people who have for time and time on proven that they don't give a shit in reality. They're in the business of making profit and managing the, affair, managing the affairs of the ruling class of the world. And so, you know, I thought about it, like how, so I look back, it's, it's, you know, we're going to have to ask questions about technology, which we, we've been doing. What is the role of technology? Have those conversations as a community, you know, because it doesn't matter that I just myself know it. If we as a community are not coming to those conclusions, like I can't just impose shit on people. I mean, we're, we're doing the same shit. There has to be, uh, you know, understanding and value found as a collective class. You know, in the fact that, you know, maybe we should reconsider, like, fuck landlords. You know, maybe let's build, build a, a chicken coop up there instead of us having to go get eggs from, you know, miles away. You know, but that's going to require fucking upsetting private property. You know, uh, private property in terms of, you know, housing. Then we're going to have to talk about patents. You know, we're going to have to say, you know, fuck that. Knowledge is for everyone. It's for the benefit of everyone. You know, and shouldn't be subject to, you know, nonprofits right, that are funding a, a particular worldview and blah, blah, blah. So these are the steps that I see that are going to have to take. First, they start individually. You have to be as loud as you can and honest, you know, with your, with your thoughts. And, and hopefully as a community, we can come to solutions that are going to actually, you know, take steps to take control of our communities. That's why I'm a communist. We, as, as a collective and started locally, everyone has to do, and, and if our stuff is working, people are gonna see, people are gonna see. So I, like, I'm not even concerned at what they're doing over there, honestly, like at that, at that uh, I mean, in the sense of, we have to understand that's not, let's, there's not even, let's just be aware actually of what they're saying, expose them for the frauds they are, but at the same time, we had to take action locally, you know, to take, control of the systems ourselves to make them democratic that work for people for life. You know, and, and again, like what I'm trying to do is use my individual, what I'm gathering here, these conversations and say, no, fuck that. I don't want that. I don't have shit to do with that. I'm not gonna waste my time on voting for these ridiculous people like Nancy Pelosi who went and avoided that question by Abby Martin, right? About the military. The military pollutes more than 140 countries combined right and in in this frame that they have of you know of, of uh, co2 gas you know gases you know stuff the u.s military is the biggest you know the, the most responsible agent here just you know one of the biggest and they're not subject to any of this bullshit you know, that that question by abby martin was completely obscured you know thrown to the side and so again it's more evidence that we cannot trust any of these politicians right-wingers or left-wingers, you know, our communities, we have to create our, the communities that we want. 
you know, and, and it's going to take associating individuals with differing opinions, people that might be, that might sound crazy, but we're going to have to learn that or, you know, we're going to fail. And, and again, it means going to war with the capitalist system in so many levels that we can't even predict, you know, like taking public spaces back, you know, for things that are useful for us, you know, uh, taking the resources that we collectively pull and are extracted from us through taxes and putting them to the use that we need, you know, not sending it to Washington and then begging for it to come back. And so understanding these things to me is what is fundamental. That's why I'm a socialist, you know, communist, you know, a revolutionary, because that's a revolution. You're, you're taking it to power. You're saying, no, we're not playing your game. We're doing what we want. You know, and, and that's different than again, like even like all my comrades here uh, who at some point or another have organized and they just want to get stuck in this nonprofit bullshit, right? Begging for crumbs and redistributing crumbs and, 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 and you know, and clapping ourselves, patting ourselves on the back for redistributing crumbs. We're still fighting for fucking crumbs. And, you know, and then, and then we think we are so uh, woke, you know, and when we, we uh, vilify people on the right wing who question, right? Like this uh, personal responsibility narrative. You know, a lot of, if you actually listen to these people, you know, you, you would be like, you know what? You're not so wrong. Like fuck them for shaming me individually. You know what? When the military doesn't give a shit, th th those people are eating well, you know, and they don't have to fight with each other over crumbs. So that's what it's going to take. Not, not like falling for these shows of Greta Thunberg or whatever, these saviors, you know, are going to save us. It's going to be individuals coming together. That's how I see it. And again, just the last point, not waiting for those policies to be enacted. You know, I think that if we create better conditions for ourselves under our self-determination, you know, we can challenge most stuff. If they don't have control over our livelihoods uh, as they do now, as, as coercive as they are, we can have better footing you know, to stand on. We can fight from a better position, but it will never start as long as we keep following these fucking frauds that are you know, hired and put in these positions, again, just like the, Dr. Fauci, to sell us lies and to kick the can down the road all the time. Uh, I just would say one more thing, Eduardo. To put it concretely, the best thing the people in Delhi, India can do for the environment is to fight the lockdown. Mm -hmm. That's what that means. Because they, they're the, the best thing they can do to try to fight for a world in which we can preserve our, the environment in which we live is to defy the lockdown that is being put on them to protect the environment. So let's conclude. That does it for this week's episode. Um, it was uh, <laughs> organic. Again, what reminds you of the first? Uh, for, uh, no, it reminds you of maybe the second year of what's left. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, a little popcorn. And <laughs> what's left is a weekly political podcast that's channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where we found this uh, episode or on our blog at what-s-left.com. You can find past episodes to this podcast left channel there and connect with us. Um, Andy will respond to you as always. 
And I remind folks, if you like anything you've heard here, please subscribe to any of our um, episodes. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, uh, turn on your notifications on Spotify, uh, iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, or Telegram. Uh, you can find those links on the episode notes. And if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I'm Eduardo Barca <clears throat> with co-host Kenny Sepeda and Andy Lipson. Thank you very much. See you all next time. Ciao.